find a mentor. Find someone who has tread that path. Find someone who has gone before. It makes life much, much easier. Um, it seems that as I've gone through my business uh, journey, I'm there at the tip of the spear or at the tip of the iceberg, whatever you want to call it. And it's just me. And so I have to do all of the research. I have to do all of the investigation, you know, how to go about doing this. You know, who starts a company by putting an ad in Craigslist? There must be a better way of doing that. But I had no one to say, okay, um, this is what you want to do. This is how to go about uh, doing it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Anton Dormer. And uh, Anton, uh, both of his parents, or both of his parents, came to the U.S. in the '50s, and they uh, met in New York. And so that's where uh, he grew up, and uh, and from uh, went to elementary school to or, with, or at the I think the same time his parents were going to college, and then while he was in college, his parents were getting a <coughs> master's degree, and then they all got doctorate degrees at the same time. So kind of a fun educational journey. Um, his parents along the way had also invested in uh, real estate and uh, he learned some uh, lessons uh, there. And in high school, he was always uh, quote unquote, the, the nerdy type. And so um, his, uh, his high school teacher introduced him into the lab and that got him started on the journey of uh, the eventually got, I think his doctorate degree. Um, then has been in the healthcare industry for his career. Uh, did a couple of research positions, got recruited to teach at a university for a bit of time. Um, then he did a, a prior company, which uh, went all the way up to a tip from a 10 figure business to being shut down. And that will be an interesting discussion. And then <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, started a, a couple of the businesses that he is doing now. And they'll get it. They'll touch on that as well. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Anton. Thank you very much. It is definitely my pleasure. So I just took a much longer journey to condense it into the, the 32nd version. So let's unpack that a bit. So tell us a, a little bit about how your uh, journey got started in New York. Okay, uh, definitely. And um, uh, and of course, you know, it begins with uh, the parents. And to give a little bit more uh, details, you know, when my father came over here, he came from Jamaica. And he didn't really have a, you know, high school degree. And so when he immigrated here to the United States, I mean, the only jobs he could find is basically, you know, working in the factory. And then my mother, who is French from French West Indies um, in uh, Guadalupe, um, she also came to the country with a high school degree and she couldn't speak the language. And the first jobs that uh, they had, uh, she had was actually working as a maid. Um, you know, for the individuals who are living in Manhattan at that particular point in time. It just happened, you know, the sun, moon, and stars were aligned that they met. And they actually met at a church gathering. And so from there, 
I guess they formulated a particular plan. You know, they didn't really have much at that particular point in time. And so, you know, after a year after they, they met, <clears throat> they actually got married. And so, and then a year after that, I came along. And so I guess they, they kind of decided, you know, we have to have a game plan. And so, you know, as I was growing up, uh, going to school, I noticed something, you know, about my parents that they were always studying and always working. And so, you know, they got their college degree, again, as I mentioned, and as you have mentioned, you know, doing the elementary school while I was in elementary school. And then, of course, in high school, you know, they got their master's and they were luckily um, you know, recruited. And so they went from New York uh, City, you know, where I was born to live in the hospital Alabama to work for HBCU called Oakwood uh, University. And they spent several decades actually teaching as um, nursing professors. And then of course, you know, when I went to medical school, they were finishing up their uh, doctorate. But, um, you know, the reason why I mentioned this at the beginning point is because they were my inspiration. They are my heroes. You know, now it's imagine coming to this country with literally just a suitcase and clothes they have in your back, and yet making that decade of journey and now being in a place of success. So as I always looked at my household, you know, as I was growing up, I was always admiring, you know, both my parents, both my father and my mother, that, you know, they were, you know, always working. Um, they had a very uh, keen, a civic uh, engagement you know, with the uh, community. Now we used to do, you know, outreach, you know, food drives and, um, and those particular things. So I was also grounded to recognize that even though you may be uh, privileged or have a particular environment, it's always good to share with those who do not have that same environment as yours, hopefully to uh, motivate uh, them. Um, and so my uh, journey in terms of getting into healthcare, somehow I always knew that I was going to be a doctor. Um, you know, in you know kindergarten and the first grade, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, they ask the kids, you know, what do you want? Well, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. You know, those type of things. But my answer as far back as I could remember was being a doctor, being a doctor, being a doctor. But I didn't know what type of doctor that I wanted uh, to be. And I guess that transition into, you know, the type of doctor I wanted to be occurred, you know, mostly when in high school, but it was not a very uh, easy uh, journey. Um, you know, now, one one yes. question on it. So, you know, far back as you can remember, wanted to be a doctor, had parents that were great examples. And I think it's cool that you guys were able to, you know, kind of at the in tandem or at the same time, do some of your education together, which is always kind of a, a, a unique and different experience. Yeah. And now you say, okay, always want to be a doctor, went in, got, uh, you know, the degree in college and you're coming out. And I think, I believe you or as you're graduating, you're coming into the, you started in the healthcare uh, field, uh, doing some research positions. Is that right? Right. So, you know, I did get my medical degree and then I did a master's in uh, biotechnology and then moved uh, into uh, health uh, administration uh, after that, as I, you know, began to kind of wonder how to get back to where I wanted to be, which was really research. And that, that was my uh, drive. And there's a story behind that, why I got into uh, research. Um, <clears throat> 
as I mentioned to you, I was the typical virgin nerd and just, you know, didn't really have that, that social acuity, um, you know, that I, I believe I have a little bit uh, of that now. And so, you know, I went to high school and started off in, in ninth grade, and, but I didn't really do that well. And so my parents thought, you know, maybe I should go to boarding school. And so in my 10th grade, I actually went to boarding school and I started off okay, but then I got attached or started working with a particular friend. And I literally in my last semester of 10th grade, I didn't go to school. I literally did not go to school. Um, so it's kind of difficult to get missed when you are in a boarding school, there's like 250 people and um, you know you you are skipping uh, classes because the campus is only so big, and so you know, and my grades were, were horrible. You know, I did have a, I do have an F and a D on some of my uh, you know classes uh, during that particular year because me and this you know my really good friend at that particular time he was going to school neither, you know, and so. You know, that kind of you know affected me. But there's one class I always was used to study was biology. And so even though I was everything else and everything else, I had this keen sense of um, studying biology. And it's so amazing that there was one individual that used to be number one in the class in terms of passing his test. And I was always like number two. And so that was the only class that I studied because in the back of my mind, even though I wasn't, supposed, wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, I still had a desire to become a physician, a doctor. Didn't know what type. And um, what happened in that particular situation, at the end of that 10th year, my parents said, okay, this is just not working at all. And pulled me back into you know, where they were living, which was Huntsville, uh, Alabama. And I got a little bit more serious, but still, I still had the social issues of you know, dealing with people and getting myself uh, acclimated. But what really happened, uh, uh, helped me, is that my science teacher, which is my favorite teacher, Mrs. So Bryant, kind of took me under her wings. And I started to work with her in the lab. And I said, hmm, ah, you know, this is interesting because what she used to do is, you know, she trusted me so much, this experiment that uh, my classmates, the same classmates that are with me, you know, 11th grade, I have to do, she would just, here's a menu, here's the materials, and go home. And I used to prepare all of her labs. And I say, wow, there must be something about this. There's something about being in a lab. And because this really excite me and say, you know, I'm going to try to learn a little bit more about, you know, how can I be a physician and also be in the lab? And, you know, what made it oh, wonderful is that she trusted me and gave me this particular opportunity. But as all parts of the story goes, it did not go as well as I hoped, because in my last year, um, when I was about to graduate, one of the teachers and I really didn't get along. I mean, he was a popular teacher. Of course, I was the virgin nerd and, you know, had that uh, social uh, challenge. And so as I was taking his class, he never told me that I was not doing well. And so when I graduated, I found out that I had a D 
in chemistry in my last semester. And that was heartbreaking to me because that was part of my science in the portfolio. So I may not do good in any other class, but that was a class that I knew that I needed um, in order to get into college in a, in a decent college. Now, and just, so, just uh, yeah. for a matter of time with the podcast, because we, we will want to get into a bit of your career and continue on with the journey. Yes. Okay. So now as you, you know, maybe fast forwarding just a bit to, you know, eventually went off to college, were able to get a degree, got the degrees at the same team at their time as your parents. And now as you're coming out of college, where did your journey start? Okay. All right. So my journey um, began at medical school, but let me just make this one quick point as um, in relation to high school, you know, that got me very angry and I made a goal that um, I was going to graduate from college in four years, the top of my class, and I had no C's in my transcript. In essence, passed everyone. I graduated with less than three point average from high school. And to make a long story short, I actually graduated, not number one, but in the top 1% of my class from Oakland University, summa cum laude, with no C's in my transcript in four years. And my degree was in chemistry, the same class that that particular teacher gave me a D in. And so, you know, the main point is that, you know, sometimes when you have a setback, sometimes when something happens, you want to take that and make it successful, you know, because success in essence is the best uh, revenge. So now, you know, as I was applying to medical school, basically I had a choice of any medical school that I desired to go to. And I went to uh, the University of Alabama uh, School of Medicine. And again, my passion was research. And during that um, particular uh, year, in my last year, when I was studying for my final, when I should have been studying for my final, I was actually writing a research um, protocol to actually want to cure diabetes. A 20 year old want to cure diabetes <laughs> in the summer. So instead of studying for my, my uh, medical classes, you know, um, at the end of my first year, I was running around trying to find someone who will accept this proposal that I wrote that I was so excited about and to get me into the lab. And to make that particular uh, story, you know, not very long, I was able to get a small grant that was about $3,000 to buy um, the animals that I needed to do my testing to create antibodies for diabetes. So I was Gonna hold, I was gonna cure diabetes in a summer. And I worked really hard. I, I spent 18 hour days. I did a date. Um, I was just focused on this. I was in the library, I was reading, you know, how to go about doing this um, particular protocol. But guess what? I kind of like worked really too hard. And even though my research project was you know, preliminarily successful, I had some challenges in my uh, medical school. Uh, uh, travels. Right? And so in essence, when I started my first and second year, or my, my first, and se- um, by the time I did my third week in medical school, I kind of recognized that I needed to stop. I was way uh, uh, too tired. And I, I wanted to bring this up, you know, particular point because it, it ties into where I want to be at just a big point of time, where I am at just a big point of time, you know, being very successful. Because a lot, a lot of times you have a particular passion and that particular passion is in a particular uh, direction. And sometimes you do whatever it takes to go in that direction. So yes, I wanted to be a physician, but I also wanted to be a scientist. And I kind of put the cart in front of 
the horse. When I should have been focusing on my medical studies, I was focusing on uh, research. And then I started to get into some conflict with my, my parents, especially my mother, who wanted me to be a physician. And I was telling her, you know, I want to take the leave. You know, this at this particular time is called a gap year. So everyone, oh, it's not going well. Let's take a gap year. You know, 30 years ago, there was no such thing as gap year. You know, there was something wrong if you did not make it. So in my so, first year. And yeah. just maybe just to keep the fast forwarding just a bit, just because we're still on the educational part and we haven't even entered into your career part. And uh, that's always a, a fun part of the journey. Yes. So just to jump forward a, a bit, if we can, just to, to keep the, the, um, the, the journey moving forward. Okay. When you get your degree and you come out and you decide to get a, or enter the career field or the working field, yeah. where did that start in the, or how did that start in your journey? All right. So um, when I returned and um, I got my and I MD, uh, eventually, um, I decided to do a master's, you know, because I wasn't really keen to actually practice. Um, you know, I couldn't see myself, you know, treating, you know, you know, 20 patients, 40 patients a day, just, you know, dealing with colds or sprains and, you know, things along that line. I wanted to be actually being in a lab, uh, but getting into lab, you know, was a journey in of, of itself. And so the, my first um, major uh, job outside of um, uh, medical school was actually as a, a health administrator. So I worked at a um, particular health uh, facility uh, for you know, quite a while as I was making a transition into uh, research. And so um, I made an application to a university in Massachusetts and started the process of getting into education and a research. So I was a, a professor in um, Massachusetts. And then I was actually called to do research here in the state of uh, Maryland. And here, this is where, you know, the president called me up, you know, I want to bring research into this particular uh, uh, setting. And so I came in again, gun ho this is having had my lab, and I really was going to kind of like move the university to the next level. But again, the culture was not there for our research. So after about three to four years, just knocking heads with everyone, um, you know, the president, of course, was supported, but you know, it was not a research culture. Basically, I decided to start my own company. And the company I started was uh, Pet Bags. And it's kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't have a mentor. And no one told me how to go about this. So I actually put an ad in Craigslist. <laughs> I said, I'm starting by technical company and I need to use some particular individuals. And so it was surprising, you know, I had about six to seven individuals. I don't know how they kind of picked this up, who called me up and said, you know, we're very much interested in what you want to do. I told them that my, in, my research interest was in the area of immunology. And, you know, I wanted to develop um, pep by, uh, peptide uh, vaccines. And so from that early beginning, I was able to um, put together a team that's still with me after almost 10 years and, um, and start that particular process of developing um, vaccines. We have moved away from peptide vaccines to now a proprietary delivery system that allows us to uh, target cancers, infectious diseases, and also um, to do uh, gene therapy. But that particular ride 
was an interesting ride. Um, when we started off, you know, of course you need a funding. And so we got a few investors that invested in a company, uh, Petfax, and we were doing, you know, quite well. Uh, one of the things that we did is that we licensed our product to a, a subsidiary that we created, and we actually took that particular company uh, public. And so, you know, we put in $300,000 and did a reverse merger into a uh, shell. And the company on its IPO went from $300,000 in terms of its value to almost $15 million. And so I was very excited about that. You know, I'm a millionaire, at least on paper. And, and so, you know, we were moving the company forward. Uh, we had additional uh, funding uh, for the particular company. Uh, one of the drugs that we I created and co-invented with uh, my team was for triple negative breast cancer. And, you know, uh, one of my uh, team members, their mother died with triple uh, negative breast cancer, which is one of the most aggressive of the breast cancer. So we was moving this particular product, you know, along the uh, the preclinical research trial, and so we had a separate company, um, and we had it for about um, you know two years. And during that particular time, the valuation of the company will be between you know, twenty five million to about 50 million. And so, you know, we were doing, you know, uh, pretty good. Uh, we were getting investors and we was about to do what's called uh, S1 and which we was gonna apply for like a $2 million raise. And um, this was allowed us to do what's called GLP or GMP uh, studies. And we were about maybe a year, a year and a half out of moving our product into human clinical trials. Um, we have met with the FDA, they like what we we're doing. It was very excited about that. And so, you know, the stock keep going up and, and up. And at its peak, it had a value of close to $200 million. And so, you know, we were thinking that it was because of our, you know, putting out a press release, everyone was getting traction, it was loving us. But then one day, it was a Friday, I remember this, my CEO, called me and said, we're not trading anymore. I was like, what do you mean we're not trading anymore? What, what's going on? I mean, how, how is that possible that we're not trading anymore? And we were on the OTC. Um, and so we found out that externally that someone was manipulating our stock. And the SEC sort of contacted us. You know, OTC called us. And we said that, you know, we're a legitimate business. This is what we do along that line. The SEC never called us. And once you stop trading, if you, even if you get back on, all the investors are basically gone. You can't raise capital. So the S1 that was about to file with the SEC was now a mute. And so that was one of the most devastating moments of my life. I lost close to $30 million of my net worth. I went from 30 million to zero. And, you know, I, I didn't tell my wife this until a few years later when I took up the courage to actually tell her, I actually cried, you know, because that, that was my life journey. I've been working up to this zone, you know, particular point. But, you know, a setback is a setup for a comeback. And we took that um, licensed product for that particular company brought it in-house. Uh, we began to talk about, you know, how to revisit this um, particular um, product. And 
we turn it into uh, what has been successful for us uh, since we have our collaborations with you know companies and academics you know around uh, the world. And so uh, moving forward at just you know particular point in time, we're thinking about doing a you know IPO um, on the NASDAQ this time, not the OTC, the NASDAQ. And so you know we are commencing a five, a five million dollar raise and um, you know that well, some of the money will go to research, some of the money will uh, facilitate the you know, IPO that we plan to do hopefully in 2023. Of course, there's a lot of uh, iffy things that's happening in the world that could affect that. And I won't mention that here, but you know, people who deals with the market and kind of understand you know, what those two big things that are you know, affecting the market at this point in time. And also I started another company. You know, one of the challenges that we had um, at Petbats is trying to find lab space. So we do have a designated lab space, but you know, we, we want to grow and we want to be you know, more centrally located. But as we look for lab space within the Maryland area, it's either everyone's filled, or if they were not filled, the pricing was just astronomical. And so there is a shortage of wet lab space, which actually has been uh, exacerbated by COVID. So, you know, there's billion dollars are, that's coming with the biotech industry. And, you know, a lot of the money now want to do research and there's no place to go. And so that leads to a bottleneck in terms of uh, innovations. And I believe that, you know, there's a particular way of addressing that. And so I started a company about two years ago um, called BioLabShare. And the reason why I started this particular company is because to address some of the issues that we face as a um, company. And so this year um, we have a very powerful team and we are commencing on a $2 million uh, raise uh, so that we can begin that particular process. And also something that's also very important to me is uh, diversity. Um, and so a BioLab share not only will uh, help alleviate that particular challenge that we have in terms of wet lab space for bio-research, but we are partnering with uh, different HBCUs. And so uh, we are, uh, the first lab that we hope to build will be on the campus of Alabama A&M, hopefully in 2023. Um, we also have uh, tentative agreements or interests from Oakland University, my alma mater, and also BSU, uh, Bowie State University here in uh, Bowie, um, at Bowie, Maryland, to begin the process of building labs. And the way that we are working with the chicken process is that as we build the labs and have, you know, different companies and entrepreneurs in that particular area, we also will have a uh, residential uh, component to it. And so individuals can actually walk over uh, to uh, the lab. And by having those particular type of settings, we are going, in essence, call them biogenous labs, uh, because we want to tap into the faculty that have not had the opportunity, or the students that have not had the opportunity to be introduced to by biotechnology entrepreneurship, life science entrepreneurship, and digital health uh, entrepreneurship. And so this is where we are where I am, and I'm looking for some really excitement, uh, exciting outcomes, you know, in terms of our IPO, and also in terms of, of our fundraise for uh, BioLabShare.
Oh, I think that's uh, definitely uh, an exciting place to be. Sounds like, you know, you had to turn things or you had to pivot and do a few other things with the business once uh, you had the issues with it getting pulled from the, the stock or, you know, the stock exchange. But I like how, you know, rather than kind of just lay down, turn over and then not do anything further or kind of give up the entrepreneur spirit, he continued to innovate and do other things as well as to uh, continue forward on that. So that's uh, definitely a, a great journey. Well, with that, as we've kind of reached the present day of your journey, it's always a, a great time to um, chat a little or, or ask the two questions I always ask at the end of each podcast. So jump to those now. Um, the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Wow. The worst business decision I that we made and that I've made is as our stock was going up, we didn't have milestones mm. in terms of cashing out. And so even though eventually, um, you know, the, the, the company, again, as I mentioned, had a valuation that fluctuated between you know, 25 million up to you know, 75 million, if it was not manipulated, um, we did not put in milestones that you know, after six months, if we reached this particular milestones, uh, we are able to take out some of the, um, the, the equity and then use it uh, for our research. So I think that was the, the biggest mistake, the biggest missed opportunities, because if we would have put you know, several million dollars aside, we probably could have weathered that particular situation and repositioned the company, you know, build uh, interest with the investors saying that we're legitimate, it's unfortunate that happened. Here's the evidence that we had nothing to do with it, but we had all of our wealth, all of our uh, equity in the stock. So to me, that was the biggest and most devastating business mistake that I have made in my career. Fair enough, you know, and it's one of those that, yeah, looking back, it would have been nice to or, or beneficial to pull that out, you know, have kind of that rainy day fund and be able to weather it. And you know, on the other hand, you don't, you certainly don't anticipate that, you know, outside forces or things are manipulated in stock such that it's going to create that. And it's a, a difficult one to anticipate as a, as a company. And so it definitely makes sense how the, the mistake was made, but also the lesson learned from it. Definitely. Second question I always ask is now, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Find a mentor. Find someone who have tread that path. Find someone who has gone before. It makes life much, much easier. Um, it seems that as I've gone through my business uh, journey, I'm there at the tip of the spear or at the tip of the iceberg, whatever you want to call it. And it's just me. And so I have to do all of the research. I have to do all of the investigation know how to go about doing this. You know, who starts a company by putting an ad in Craigslist? There must be a better way of doing that. But I had no one to say, okay, um, this is what you want to do. This is how to go about uh, doing it. And so and I think that that's definitely, um, you know, great takeaway in the sense that I think that 
know, too often you feel like if you're starting out, you can't ask it for advice or, you know, you need to know everything or you should have the answers. And yet oftentimes if you can find a good mentor, that's anything from giving you guidance to just being a sounding board to been there and done that or anything in between. I think having some of those good mentorships or people that you surround yourself with can definitely one accelerate the business and oftentimes avoid some of the, the pitfalls or harder difficulties that you'd otherwise encounter. So I think that's a, a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact contact you or find out more? Yeah, the best way is through LinkedIn. Um, everything that we're doing is uh, right there. My contact is there. And so, you know, I look at LinkedIn basically, you know, every day. And so, you know, individuals who want to reach out to me, that's the best way of uh, reaching out to me. Yeah, and I respond very, very quickly. And so just uh, LinkedIn uh, Messenger and um, you should be able to uh, reach me. So that's the fastest way. That's the quickest way. I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect, or otherwise uh, message each other on LinkedIn because it's uh, definitely a great plat platform and one that I love to, to use as well. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be guests on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A um, couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. We want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup, your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much.